0: fly over him. Uh, Desmond Ritter made pro football focuses. Uh, he was the rookie of the week was Desmond Ritter. Quote, while a few other offensive rookies graded out better than Ritter in week two of the preseason, his performance as a rookie quarterback stands out above the rest. His 92.6 overall grade from the game is a top five mark among preseason efforts from rookie signal callers since 2006. So get low pro football focus love is Desmond Ritter out there, so good for him. Hey, uh, did you see who the Texans released today? That would be former Atlanta Falcon, Fabian Moreau. Remember him? Remember that secondary last year? Daron Harmon, Eric Harris, Fabian Moreau. I remember, Day-Day, there were people... Trying to sell me on, oh, Fabian Moreau's a pretty good player. (laughs) He was a special teams player for two years running in Washington. He wasn't good enough to play corner. He was a special teams guy. Right. And he was awful here. Awful. Stunk up the joint. And he played like 92% of the snaps last year at corner. Ugh. He's so good that the Texans, the Texans, who have the lowest win total in the NFL betting odds, they cut him. Sign with him in May. Asta lasagna. Don't get any on you. Hey, did you see who was back today? Speaking of being back, guess who's back? Back again. Debo's back at practice. He was there for the joint practices today. Is he going to play on Saturday? Don't they have to showcase him so they can trade him? Uh, this will be interesting. Now he's officially off. Now he's back at practice. I want to see if he's going to play. I want to see if they make a move on him. I want to see what they do now. This is going to be another one of those interesting stories as we head to week one. What is the fate of Deion Jones? I don't know. I, 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 I still don't think he's a good fit. Nothing has changed about that. I don't think he's a great fit for Dean P's defense. But if you can't try to find a trade partner, and as long as he's willing to play, then you might as well play him here. I don't think the Falcons are going to cut him. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be if they're either going to trade him or he's going to be here and he's going to play for the Atlanta Falcons. I think that's I think that's where I'm at on it. I, I still don't think that at the end of the day in week one that he is going to be on the roster. I still think when we get to week one and start prepping for the Saints game on September 11th, I still, my gut tells me that they will have traded him and moved on from him. But we'll see. But he's back. At least he's uh, out there practicing. All right, let's Let's uh, let's get to our nightly audio. Let's hear from the head coach. As, um, they, um, they stuck to the plan when it came to Deion Jones.
1: We're going to double check. We never want to put a guy's out. We take the health and safety of all of our players serious. So we had a ramp up plan. We felt good with it. He felt good with it for the doctors and they cleared him. And that's why he practiced.
0: Yeah. I, again, I, I don't doubt him. He was on the pup list. He could come back at any time. So good news. Here's uh, Arthur talking about Deion Jones is in the right mindset to compete for a spot.
1: It's going to be hard to get on the field in that room, because, and that's what you want in that competition, because Rashawn and Mike Walker are doing a great job. We've got to see what Troy can do. Lamb Dorian, they've had good preseasons. Now, Quit, has been a vet, and you had Deion. It's going to play itself out. But I will say this about Dion: I'll give him credit, because he's he got the right mindset to come out here and prove something. So he knows what he's got to improve off from last year, and that competition's real. So I do appreciate him. He, wants to, he wanted to be back and wanted to compete. We'll see where it goes. Does that sound like a head coach who believes in Deion Jones?
0: And, and, and let's not underestimate what Deion Jones has been for this defense over the last, really, since the Super Bowl year, right? He has been one of the heart and souls of this defense. He's at times been your best defensive player. Last year was not good. Does that sound like a guy who's sold on Deion Jones? Well, they can compete for a spot. It's going to be hard to get on the field. Think about that. Three years ago, you would have never have heard a head coach for the Falcons say, well, you know, he's trying to find a spot. Because he would have been your best defensive player or one of your best defensive players. And he was looked at as one of the best up-and-coming linebackers in the entirety of the NFL. And just a couple few short years later, how the mighty have fallen. That doesn't – I'll say, maybe I'm reading into it, That, and I understand competition, competition. But with all due respect, that doesn't sound like a coach who's super sold on the idea of Deion Jones being here or how much playing time he's going to get. All right, here's Arthur talking about how uh, he's trying to get a fair amount of reps for everybody. I don't, kind of
1: like raising kids, you know. They're not all wired the same. Try to be consistent and fair, but there may be certain techniques you got to use for certain kids. Um Every player I've ever coached, not comparing them to kids, but the, the same analogy. You've got to be fair and consistent with the rules and are saying everybody's, they're different phases of their life, career, everything going on. There's different things that make them tick. But, you know, you treat everybody fair. Now, there's a pay scale in the NFL. So when you pay certain guys, there's a great expectation. So there is a bigger expectation for Grady, Jake, guys like that. But the rules are the rules. We, You know, we don't. We loathe entitlement around here, and uh, these guys are doing a good job. You think he treated the third running back the same as he did
0: Derrick Henry when he was in Tennessee? Anybody buying that? Anybody buying that? Okay, here's uh, Arthur talking about uh,
1: what he's looking for from the wide receivers to
0: make this roster.
1: It's another challenge to, 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 get, to be as objective as we can. Guys that deserve more reps, opportunities. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see you on Friday and make the plan for Saturday. You know, there's some decisions we got to make, another opportunity for a lot of guys to go out there and play in a, in a game. Uh, it's just consistency, what we're looking for, guys we can trust. Well, I mean, they've already cut two guys,
0: so there isn't that many spots that you have to try to figure out, right, at wide receiver. I mean, we're, we're pretty much at a point where we pretty much know who's going to be. There might be, like, one spot. <clears throat> might be one guy that – If he doesn't make the 53-man, he's going to be on the practice squad. And that kind of where we're at right now. I don't think there's a whole lot of decisions at wide receiver. But, again, I think they're trying to find somebody to step up and and take that role of wanting to be a starter for this team. All right, let's hear from uh, Arnold Ebichetti here. He is talking about uh, how fun it's to go full speed and getting some contact in preseason.
2: Oh, uh, I I enjoy it. I think it's a matter of uh cutting everything loose and just going out there and playing hard and playing freely I mean every football player enjoy just not having those restrictions and going full in
0: yeah look um it's been an up and down camp in preseason I think for Arnold ever I think he has done some good things I think he's got some things to work on but here and, and look all the rookies get listed as backups and reserves for Arthur Smith. So don't get frustrated because I know they released the depth chart. You know, if you don't see his name in the starting lineup or Drake London or whatever, Arthur Smith puts the rookies, you know, he always puts them as backups, right? Uh, he, he doesn't put any of them as the starters or this to any the other. But uh, again, Katie there's going to be a lot. You know, Arthur was just talking about expectations, and stuff like that. There's a lot of expectations about Arnold Katie. There's a lot of expectations about getting after the quarterback and making that guy look out his ear hole. A lot of expect, at least from this side of the microphone. Here's uh, Ebicady talking about the benefits of joint practices.
2: Well, being going through the whole uh, preseason camp, practicing against each other, just getting a new team, uh, more competition is—you always have that edge on your shoulder going against a different team. I mean, me personally, I, I love drum practices because you get to go out there and compete, and as competitive, it's nothing—it's nothing like it. And these
0: practices are just as important as what a preseason game is for a lot of guys, right? because you'll go into Saturday's game against Jacksonville with a preconceived notion after what you've seen at practice this week, if you're the coaching staff, right? If you've got a couple of guys that are at the bottom of your roster and you're trying to figure out if they're going to stay or go, you are leaning one direction or the other through preseason and what you're doing at some of these practices, and then the game may confirm or you know, reaffirm, if you will, what is going to happen with that particular guy. All right, let's get the Debo uh, competing for his spot every year.
2: I mean, every year I come in and compete for my spot. Every year we come in and compete for our spot, so I'm cool. Like, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, look, um, obviously he's been a real stalwart of this defense for a number of years now, going back to the Super Bowl team. One of the few guys that's left on the Super Bowl squad, right? I mean, at this point, I think it's what? It's, it's Jake. Is it Jake, Debo, and Grady? That's it? All right, I think it's the only guys that are left out there. All right, here's Dion talking about uh, optimistic about the defense this season.
2: Uh, I definitely have a better outlook on the defense this year. Uh, I had a chance to look back and figure out where I could help and where I could get better. And just being honest with myself and having a new outlook this season, forgetting it and pick up where I left off.
0: It wasn't a good year for Dion last year. It was not a good year for Debo last year. He didn't grade out well analytically or anything. There really isn't any measurable that you can say that he had a good season for the Falcons last year. I do believe that he's hungry because, again, he's got a lot to prove to be a part of this defense. <clears throat> All right, here's Debo uh, quickly talking about learning uh, the bevy of new teammates that he's got.
2: I was, while I was over there on the side, I got to learn a lot of new faces. Uh, uh, just take, like I said, as soon as I came on, on, on campus, just learning everybody one day at a time, trying to figure out where they're from who they are, and it's, it's still a process. Um, still kind of like missing a couple names, but I feel like uh, I'm on the right path to you know getting to learn my teammates and moving forward for this season.
0: It certainly is a different-looking defense than it's been in the last couple of years, which is not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. And, and hopefully, hopefully he's going to have one or two more names that he's going to have to learn because I want to see the Falcons add to their defensive line. So I want to give him some more names that he's got to learn before the start of the regular season. All right, when we come back, Connor Riley joined Dukes and Bell earlier today, talking to some Georgia Bulldog football. What he had to say next. Chuck, Ring, the Key Studios. Sports right now to the usy.com app.
3: Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, back at on the John Chuckery
0: Show, live in the Key Studios, Wednesday night with you here. 404-741-0929, Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line to be a part of the show. Honestly, absolutely, catch us when you're on the go. Social media, 910 The Game, at JMCH316 on Twitter. Hey, uh, don't forget, we are uh, going to be out and about tomorrow, so no show from the studios. We'll be on from uh, 7 to 11 tomorrow night, but uh, I'll be at the Top Golf in Midtown, so... If uh, you're in the area, swing a by, Go get your tickets at Top uh, at TopGolf.com. Excuse me, they are having the uh, Forget ALZ tournament that is going on at uh, Top Golf uh, Midtown, hosted by Andrew Jones, and it's uh, Daughters Against Alzheimer's. Uh, all the proceeds going to that, and um, going to be a very cool benefit. Um, there's all kinds of raffles and contests, and obviously food and drink at Top Golf. Obviously, it's a fantastic location. You can get your tickets at Top Golf. Dot com. You do need a uh, ticket for it. There's going to be a silent auction. And honestly, there's going to be a whole crap ton of, of folks that are going to be there. Uh, obviously, we said Andrew Jones is hosting it, so we'll get a chance to talk to him. So don't worry. I'm going to be loaded up with former Braves. There's NFL guys going to be there and this, that, and the other. So I believe Murph is going to be there uh, as well. So we'll have plenty of guys to, to talk to. So that'll be very fun. Uh, have you ever been to uh, Top Golf, the one in Midtown?
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been there several times. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty
0: awesome, yeah, isn't it? I, like I mean, it. I, I think both of them are fantastic. I live right by the one in Alpharetta, yeah, Roswell, whatever that is. I haven't been to that.
4: that one. I've driven past it, but I haven't been to
3: that one. Yeah,
0: Randy mm-hmm. McMichael doesn't invite me when he goes up there, uh, <laughs> when when he gets his wife and all her girlfriends and stuff. He never invites me to come over to Top Golf up there in Alpharetta. So, again, uh, we got
5: to get we got to ask Randy. What's well, up with that?
0: Yeah, because, I mean, look, uh, Ben Watson's a nice enough guy. He'd invite me. <laughs> you know, if I was friends with Ben Watson, he'd invite me to go up to Top Golf in Alpharetta. But Randy Mack, no, not him. He doesn't. <clears throat> he gets all of his, you know, wife's girlfriends and <laughs> I never get the invite. You know, I just I have to work or stay at home uh, anyway. So but it'll be a very cool event. And uh, it's for a tremendous cause. Uh, the daughters with Alzheimer's uh, daughters, daughters with all daughters against Alzheimer's. Uh, which was started right here in Atlanta by uh, looks like Michelle Rooks and Susan Watson. So it's uh, going to be uh, at Top Golf tomorrow night. The event itself is from six to nine. I will be there from seven to eleven. How late like does Top Golf? stay open till because I don't want them to turn the lights out on think, me or anything like uh, that.
4: I'm not sure during the week, but I feel like on the weekend, it's pretty late, like 12, 1. Yeah, well, 1.
0: I, the weekends, yes, I know they're open late yeah, on the I'm weekends. I'm not sure about during the week. I've never a, been during the week. How about a Thursday night where they're going to turn the lights off or make me wash dishes? No, or,
5: you're Chuckery. They're going to just let you rock yeah, and roll, bro. That
0: that's the, that's the problem. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's where the problem comes in is I am John Chuckery. So, anyway, very cool uh, event. We'll be a part of that uh, out tomorrow night at Top Golf right here in Midtown. All right, earlier today, Connor Riley from Dog Nation joined Dukes and Bell for his uh, conversation. And the guys were talking about, they asked him about Todd Munkin's comments about the offense trying to score more points.
4: Yeah, they averaged 38 last year, and I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that this team could average 42 points a game, six touchdowns a game. Uh, I believe that would set the school record for uh, points per game uh, in in terms of a season total. And, And, you know this Georgia offense—they might not, you know, focus on guys getting a thousand yards or, or or what or whatnot under Todd Munkin, But as he outlined that day, he's here to score points, and I think Georgia has an offense equipped right now to score a lot of them. You look at that tight end room; obviously, starts there with Brock Bowers. You have, I think, one of the better, maybe even a top five offensive line in the country now that it seems like Tate Ratlidge is going to be a real factor for this team. I do think he's going to start the game against Oregon. And, I mean, look, we'll go round and round about Stetson Bennett, but at the very least, I don't think you can deny that he's a good quarterback. And if he continues to make improvements that we've seen this season, it's not out of the realm of possibility for Stetson to really emerge. You know, I'm not saying he's going to be Bryce Young, but I think he'd be a really, really good college quarterback And a guy that is going to be able to move this Georgia offense up and down the field, regardless of who is on the other sideline.
5: Connor, we quoted your article yesterday in the Dog Report about one thing we hadn't touched on much this year, and that's special teams and the injuries. I know it's something we don't talk about much, but do you really want to risk McIntosh back there? I know that the Curious Jackson, they've had some guys that are banged up that were projected to be part of the kick game.
4: Yeah, and I think the Kenny McIntosh bit is interesting because he's been a factor on kickoff return before, but. He's expected to be your lead number one running back this year. And with injuries to Kendall Milton this fall, and obviously Andrew Paul out for the season with a torn ACL this past weekend, you want to try and limit his touches and get the most out of him on the offensive side of the ball. And that means if you're having him running back kicks, that's going to add extra wear and tear to his body. And you can look back at the Andre Swift in 2019, they had to ride him a little bit more because they didn't necessarily feel great about who that number two running back was going to be. And DeAndre Smith wasn't able to hold up over the course of the season and and was really limited there at the end of the year, especially when they lost to LSU in the SEC championship game. So I I think it's interesting how, given all the change that they're going to have, no Jay Camarta this year, which I think is a really underrated factor. Kirby Smart, he might be – Jay Camarta might be one of Kirby Smart's all-time favorite players just with how important he was to special teams. And, of course, defensive coach loving a punter like that makes a lot of sense. But I do think that you know how this kickoff return unit looks – especially Kyrus Jackson dealing with a little bit of an ankle injury. Kenny McIntosh, you want to try and limit his touches to get the most out of him on the offensive side of the ball. I think it's going to say a lot about sort of the big players on this offense who is back there returning kicks for Georgia.
3: We're talking with our man Connor Riley from Dog Nation. Dogs placed three AP preseason All-Americans on the team. Uh, Any arguments? Should they have had more? No,
4: I, I think Brock Bowers and Jalen Carter are pretty obvious, and I think Keely Ringo, based off the strength of what we saw there in that last game, obviously the game-ending interception, uh, you certainly see his inclusion as worthy. You know, I, I think maybe by the end of the year, does Georgia get one, maybe two offensive linemen on this list? Cedric Von Prime, Broderick Jones, I think are certainly going to be names that are known across the country at that point in time. Nolan Smith, what does his uh, – unfortunately for Nolan, he does so many things well that it, it sort of prevents him from just being a go after the quarterback and rack up sacks guy. But, you know, if he's able to get eight, nine sacks by the end of this year with all else that he has to do for Georgia, I certainly think he could be a name there to have at the end of the season. And then, you know, look, Georgia's linebacker, you for a reason, and, and Jermon Dumas-Johnson has had an outstanding camp, an outstanding offseason. And I'm not saying he's going to be Nakobe Dean right away, but if he has a really great year, it would not surprise me in the slightest.
5: It's a K Connor riley on Twitter. Connor riley from Dog Nation with us here on the wadeford.com hotline. Talking about the dogs. Thought it was really interesting uh, with all the things they got going on. A brutal camp, as uh, Kirby talked about how the uh, freshmen, the underclassmen, are dying out there. Still putting some work in, specifically for the volunteers and that up-tempo attack from Josh Heupel. I know they got an upperclassman at wide receiver. They got a quarterback who knows what he's doing in Hooker. So I mean, is that the is that for real? I mean, they do look at Tennessee as a kind of unique style of play they've got to do extra work for. Them.
4: I is it's a lot like Georgia Tech in the sense that that offense is so different and so unique that you don't see it any other time of the year uh, with the way both the tempo they play with and how far out they spread that offense. You don't you can necessarily get this view on TV, but they've got wide receivers more often than not just lined up completely outside the numbers on the far stretches of the field. And, and, and because of the uniqueness of that offense, and they've done this before where even though they're not necessarily playing Tennessee that week, they're trying to simulate a little bit of what that look is going to look like when they ultimately do come and play them because they know they're going to see it on a routine basis. And I do think the more and more you see this offense, the more comfortable you feel with it. I know there are a lot of people rightfully excited about uh, Josh Heupel and what he's building at Tennessee. I will point out in his time at Central Florida, they had a decrease in win every they, they had a decrease in win total every year that he was there. And, and part of that I do think is. Teams becoming more adjusted to what this offense looks like just because it is so unique. And I do think that Kirby Smart is trying to be on the front foot of preparing for that, which is still a Tennessee team that I think could very easily finish second in the SEC this year.
3: Connor, um, we haven't had a chance to talk to you about Nick Saban's new deal, which makes him the highest-paid coach in college football. We know Kirby signed his deal. Um, what, what is the deal, and, and at what point do you think he calls it quits? And I'm talking about Nick Saban. There are six guys right now earning over 9 million dollars in college football Saban Ryan Day at Ohio State Kirby at Georgia Jimbo at Texas A&M Brian Kelly at LSU and Mel Tucker at Michigan State I think with Nick, you know, I think actually there have been some,
4: you know, rumblings out there that, you know, if he wins a national title this year, you can see him going out, you know, obviously surpassing what Bear Bryant had done at Alabama. You know, he's, again, rightly, I think he should be the highest paid coach in college football. There's a reason Alabama's had the sustained excellence for as long as they have. And he's literally the only commonality between that first title team in 2009 and their current uh preseason favorites and 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 look i mean he's not showing any signs of slowing down alabama very easily is probably going to finish with the number one recruiting class in the country and it might be a historic level class that they end up signing in terms of just pure talent they're bringing in and and so hey the money's great uh he's maybe delegated a little bit more now than he has in years past and is okay taking a hands-off approach but uh the, the machine is still very much up and running at alabama and I do think that how this season goes is really going to determine how much longer I do think that Saban wants to keep doing this because reality is I I think he looks at a lot of coaches out there Joe Paterno uh, Bear Bryant a lot of these guys they were coaching and, and they stopped and and then died shortly after that not to get very morbid there but I I think he knows and is at the point in his life where he loves coaching so much that if he stops doing it you know he he doesn't he's not going to go out and play 18 holes of golf every day he's not going <laughs> to want to travel the country in and be on game day every week. You know, I, I think he now knows that he wants to be coaching for as long as he's physically able to do it.
5: Hey, man, it's Kay Connor Riley with us on uh, Twitter. It's, uh, we just call him Connor here on Dog Nation talking about the dogs. I saw your article about Tate Ratledge, uh, obviously a big part of the line. The mullet is back. I mean, it's, I mean it looks like something from Ron Burgundy. Uh, I, I don't know how to describe it. But give us a breakdown on him and the rest of the injured dogs right now. because I know we had some guys banged up, especially at skilled position.
4: Yeah, so Tate Ratliff had been dealing with a little bit of a turf toe injury, and we got a really chance to talk to him last night about, you know, again, one, wins the starting right guard job last year, said he was felt on top of the world, felt he like had really accomplished something, and on the fourth play of the season, he breaks his foot, uh, and, and, you know, starts a long process, especially for a guy his size, 6'6", 320, uh, you know, regaining confidence in that foot is no easy, easy, you know, thing to deal with, and so, I think he's at a point now where he's probably going to end up being your starting right guard, barring any unforeseen injuries going forward. And, you know, those all things considered. Obviously, Andrew Paul tears his ACL this weekend. You know, Kyrus Jackson's dealing with a little bit of an ankle injury right now. But it sounds like all things considered for right now, this has been a pretty healthy camp. And, 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 you know, comparatively to years past, you know, last year, Scott Cochran and Reed Gilbert both step away from the team there. So I think all things in all, this has been a relatively healthy camp for this Georgia team this year.
3: What's uh, the, the schedule as far as the work? I know school started, so they're not a, a allowed, right, only a, a certain amount of time now leading up to the game. How is that going to affect their workouts?
4: Yeah, they're on a 20-hour rule. Well, they've been at school now for about a week. Interestingly enough, Oregon does not have to go to that sort of 20-hour work week, work week, LOL. Uh, it does not have to go to that 20-hour you know, practice schedule week regimen until September, late September, September 27th, I think is when Oregon starts school. That's the way it is out there. Uh, But, you know, they're obviously prepping. I think starting either today or tomorrow, they're going to fully focus and dive in on prepping for Oregon. Coaches have already started explaining their tendencies to the players. They have, I think, fully transitioned out of sort of that camp cycle and, and, and good on good and getting better internally and started slowly shifting to the game planning for September 3rd against Oregon. We are now, I think, a little less than 10 days away from the start of football season.
5: Hmm. All right, big guy. I mean, before you know it, we'll actually have some about real football to talk about with the Ducks and everything else. So I, I know that uh, th- this year, man, expectations. I, I'd say, and by the way, we said this I know, earlier in the year. Yes, Alabama does have some areas where they've got the best quarterback, best linebacker. Georgia's offensive line better than Alabama's?
4: Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think I think Georgia might have the two best offensive tackles or at least a pair of offensive tackles in the country in Broderick Jones and Warren McClendon there. And I think Cedric Von Braun, absolutely being an All-American candidate at the center. I, I, Tate when if he's able to get – if you tell me he's healthy and he plays 15 games, those are four uh, NFL-level offensive linemen that you have right there, and, and they're going to get better at that left guard spot over the course of the season. They're going to be a bigger offensive line than they were a season ago. And, and, look, Alabama, they had Evan Neal, who was a top-10 pick last year, and that offensive line still struggled. So replace, having to replace him, some of the questions that they have on that offensive line, it's going to be really interesting to see how it goes.
3: As always, great job, Connor. Uh, tell the people where they can follow you and uh, make sure they can get your stuff.
4: Yeah, if you guys can follow me on Twitter, at Connor We've got a ton of stuff coming, including a practice report later today.
0: John we will be back. Sports
3: right now to the game in the Odyssey.com app.
0: Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, back out on the John Chuckery Show, live in the Key Studios, Wednesday night with you. 404-741-0929, that's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app, say so catch on the go, social media, and in the game at JMCH316 at underscore, or sorry, no, he's, uh, I got day I'm so used to having, every once in a while we have Dylan produce the show. Hell, I don't even know if he's, is he still around? <laughs> Did he get fired?
3: <laughs> yeah, he's still
0: around, he's okay. still around. All right, anyway. um still a bunch to get uh into we we'll get to Westbug and Chuckery coming up here in a few minutes. If you didn't see the earlier today. Braves absolutely pounded on the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates today 14 to 2. They just clobbered the Pirates. Matt Olson hit a grand slam that was it what what's that is that the Allegheny River? That that's uh that's that's yeah, over there.
1: The pirate, uh,
0: yep. Cuz there there's three rivers. That's why it was called Three River Stadium and all that. There's there's multiple rivers there but I think where the baseball stadium is now, it's in the Allegheny River. And he had a ball that went into the water. And um, he had four RBI today. Contreras hit homer with a couple of hits and two RBI. Dansby had two hits with three RBI in the game today. They got a crap ton out of the the main part of their order. But really the only guy who didn't get a hit that had multiple bats was was Vaughn Grissom in the game. Rosario got a hit. Uh, Michael Harris had a hit. Ronnie had a hit. Ronnie had a couple of walks and scored twice. Harris had a couple of walks. He scored twice. Grossman scored twice on three hits. So it was a good day all the way around to the ballpark, and Kyle Wright was outstanding. And he goes to 16-5 and now. That's filthy. That's filthy good at 16-5. and And obviously, you know, when he and Freed get on the mound, Braves never feel like they're out of that game. They never feel like they're going to lose with those guys. And here's the crazy part. The Braves are a better team this year than they were last year, and I don't know record-wise where they compared last year and this and the other. But the idea of having Freed and Wright and the rookies and having Ronald Acuna, obviously here in the uh, second half of the season, you know, look they didn't have Azuna in the second half of the last of last year either. So that's a push, but the contributions from Contreras and what he's meant to this team. Just all the way around. I think they're a better baseball club. Olson's having, you know, he's finally kind of rounded into form, and he's getting done what we figured he'd get done. The home runs are coming there. The RBI are coming there. Because right now he's up to, um, he's up to what, 27 homers and 87 RBI? Twenty, Yeah, 27 and 87. Swanson's at 70. Remember we were talking about last night about if he could find a little bit of his power back, he'd easily be a 100 RBI guy. Well, he's up to 72 RBI with 36 games left. Can he get 28 RBI in 36 games? Maybe. Maybe. But he's pushing toward being a 100 RBI guy. Riley's at 82 RBI. So, you know, top to bottom, this lineup is just devastating. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit later on the show. We'll circle back to, you know, what I think the Braves can be over these last 36 games. But there are very few series that you feel like that, you know, the Braves might have their hands full or something like that. There are very few. It's a lot of Washington and Philadelphia and Miami and, you know, you mix in scuzzbag teams like Oakland and stuff like that. You don't feel like that there's too many more series that, you know, are that all that heavy challenging for the Braves. So, big win today. They clobber the Pittsburgh Pirates who were just disgraceful. There are 30 games under 500 now. The Braves went to... 30 games over 500. And by the way, they're 36 and 24 on the road this year. That's a hell of a road mark. I mean, that's that's playing some serious baseball when you're 36 and 24 on the road. That's getting some stuff done. You know, you expect to be good at home, but you got that kind of road record, and I don't care who you beat. I don't care if you're beating the dirtbag Pirates. You know, they're 7 and 0 against the Pirates this year. I don't care if you're beating the flea bag Rockies or the scuzz bucket Washington Nationals or all these teams. All these teams are just sickening, just sickening to, to look at. I, just, I can't even imagine having to be fans of, of some of these teams. The, you know, the, the Detroit Tigers and the Kansas City Royals and Oakland and Miami and Washington and the Cubs, Reds, Pittsburgh, Diamondbacks, Rockies. I mean, all of those teams are 10 games or more below 500. That's some scuzzbag teams that are, you know, that's almost half the freaking league that's, you know, in the bottom of the barrel out there. So, look, that you're supposed to beat up on the bad teams. You know, if you want to get to 100 wins, you know, you're not going to do that against all the top teams in Major League Baseball. you got to clobber the bad teams. And, and they're not playing down to the level of their competition anymore. They might have done that against Cincinnati and some of those teams in the early part of the year. They ain't playing down in their competition right now, I can tell you that. They're taking these teams and they're walloping them. And it's going to be a good series in, in uh, St. Louis. Cardinals right now have a five-and-a-half game lead. They're 19 games over 500, but they've really been propelled by two guys in their lineup. Most of their lineup has not done a whole lot, but Arnato and Goldschmidt have been outstanding. I mean, not good. Those guys have been outstanding for them this year, and they've really carried them all the way through. So it's a little bit different look and feel for, you know, the Cardinals and, you know, what it's been in the years past and things like that, and Pujols has been hot of late. But isn't it funny how, as Pujols knows the season's winding down, that all of a sudden now he's finding a way to chase down 700 homers? Like, have you notice how hot he's gotten hitting the ball out of the ballpark lately? Funny how those things kind of happen, but um, we'll see what the Braves do. This will be a good series and a good test, you know, for them. And, you know, again, just win two out of three, right? That's all we ask for is just win the series. Win two out of three and then move on to the next series from there. So we'll talk some more Braves baseball a little bit later on in the show. First, though, let's get to something we call what's bugging Chuckery.
3: Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. (laughs) Like that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Buggin' Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. All
0: right, let me first say, preface all of this, with I don't really believe everything that is being said or reported. And this is in relation to the comments from Dana White about negotiating for Tom Brady and Gronkowski to go to the... Whatever they are, what what city are they in now? Vegas. The, the Reno Raiders. <laughs> so the Reno Raiders. Supposedly, a couple of years ago, in that in that 2020 season, when Gronk and Brady ended up on the move, and they ended up going to Tampa Bay. And what, uh, Dana, remind me again what they do in Tampa Bay that year? That's the year they won a Super Bowl. Oh, okay. So supposedly, according to Dana White. He was negotiating a deal, which why the hell would Dana White be negotiating a deal? Yeah, with when I
3: saw that, right. I was just I like, mean,
0: what? I know he's a promoter and and all that kind of stuff, and and he's turned everything around with UFC and everything. Why the hell would he be negotiating for Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski? But anyway, so let's just on the surface of it say that it's true. He says that the reason the deal was nixed is because of John Gruden and not wanting to upset the chemistry with Derek Carr. Can I tell you if that is true? If let's just in a hypothetical world say that that is true. That would mean John Gruden is the dumbest, biggest doofus in the entire history of NFL coaching. That would make him dumber than Rich Cotite or Dick Jerron. Or, um, oh, God, who was the, um, oh, God, Ray Perkins? Um, Who's the guy that took over for Bill Parcells right afterward? Not, Not Belichick. Who was the guy that, Ray Hanley. He would have to be a bigger doofus than all of those guys combined to say, no, I'm good with Derek Carr. Why would I want Tom Brady? to run my organization. Why would I want him to come in? And some of you guys say, "Well, you know, Carr's under a long-term contract who cares?" I'd still I'd cut half my roster to bring in Tom Brady to quarterback my team if my job was to win the Super Bowl. Cuz let me ask you, day day, ask mm-hmm. me how many Super Bowls Derek Carr has led his team to. How many? None.
2: Super
0: <laughs> ask me how many Super Bowls Derek Carr has won. How many has None. he? None. <laughs> Ask me how many playoff wins Derek Carr has given the Raiders. How many has he None. given? None. <laughs> Ask me how many playoff appearances Derek Carr has led the Raiders to. How many? 1. <laughs> so give me a break. That's why I say I don't I don't believe this story. There are, there are more holes in this story than Swiss cheese. I don't really believe it. But if we just take the surface of the comments And if we just take the surface of what was reported to be true, then John Gruden really would be the dumbest coach in the world. And he's got a lot bigger issues than sending out, you know, inappropriate emails with inappropriate language and things like that. Love John Gruden as a broadcaster. And obviously, you know, he took over a team ready to win a Super Bowl for Tony Dungy, right? Tony leaves the Buccaneers and and he heads up to Indianapolis Gruden comes in and wins the Super Bowl. I'm not taking anything away. You know, you still have to go win it. Same thing with Barry Switzer. But when you get things handed to you on a silver platter, sometimes it's a matter of not screwing it up versus going and taking it, right? And the idea of not wanting to upset the apple card of Derek Carr, who's the ultimate stat machine that never wins anything. Zip. Doesn't win your division, doesn't win you a playoff game, hell, doesn't even get you to a playoff game.
4: And you were going to get an elite tight end.
0: Yeah, and you were going to get Gronk to go <laughs> along with it, right? This is before Darren Waller became you know, a top three tight end in the NFL. Because yeah. <laughs> here's, here's what I know. Darren Waller's a hell of a player. Gronk's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yes. I think Gronk is the biggest mismatch in NFL history in his prime. Mm, yes. So, again, I don't believe for a second that Dana White – and I don't even know how – how would Dana White have negotiated a contract for Tom Brady?
4: Yeah. I, like I said, when I saw that, I just kind of was like, what? why is he even involved? Yeah. I, I
0: don't – again, I don't even know where that would have all come from as far as, oh, yeah, I'm just arbitrary. Doesn't Tom Brady have um, – Management? The Drew, is it Drew Rosenhaus? Yeah. That's his <laughs> yeah. agent, right? Isn't that his agent? Is like yeah. Drew Rosenhaus? It was like the most powerful agent in professional sports history. Again, none of it makes any sense. It makes less than no sense to it. But if we just take it on the surface, if John Gruden really did turn down, this will be interesting to see if anybody asks him about it because right now he's in the federal witness protection plan, right? I was going
4: to say, I don't think you're going to hear anything no. from him right now. Nothing no. related to the NFL. No. No. Nothing.
0: I mean, I, he might speak at a PTA meeting or something <laughs> for young kids or something. <laughs> right. But outside of that, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot nah. or hear a whole lot from John Gruden.
4: No time soon.
0: I would like to think John Gruden is a better football guy than I turned down the chance to have Tom Brady, who obviously played with a chip on his shoulder and was ready to win a Super Bowl without Bill Belichick and without the you know, New England Patriots quote-unquote way around him. I would hope and would like to think that Gruden is a better football guy than that. But again, you never know. You never know what can happen in all these kinds of things. And that's what's bugging Chuckery. 404 741 That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line if you want to be a part of the show. Hey, uh, want to remind you too, uh, the unwritten podcast hosted by Ron Darling and Jimmy R- Rollins. Uh, they look at the behind-the-scenes stuff of Major League Baseball. This week, Trash Talk. It dropped uh, today. So you can uh, join Jimmy Rollins and uh, Ron Darling on the
3: unwritten.
0: Oh, no. We don't do that for that one. Okay. Anyway. Hey, unwritten. No, we don't do that either. All right. Unwritten podcast is available for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast from. All right. When uh, we get back from the top of the hour, who could use a good performance for the Falcons on Saturday to help themselves out? We'll talk about that next. We can take your phone calls, too. Let's open up the phone lines. What the hell? checking the key studio sports right now the game at app